Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. This is our all in all, isn't he? And if we have our life invested totally and completely in him, wow, our life will be glorious. It'll be beautiful. What a, what a great morning so far. Uh, I, the way our services started, the way the, the spirit and the presence of Almighty God is here, it's, it's almost tangible this morning. You know, what uh, Brother Barry said when he opened, just with the the day, as the day started this morning, the sun was bright. I, I, thought, I thought back to uh, a time when I was a paper boy and I delivered the Detroit News. And the Detroit News used to have a contest every February. And I remember I would, as I delivered papers, I would read that and it was the, uh, how many days of sunshine will we get in Michigan in February? They used to have this contest because it's so typically dreary. But thank you, Lord, he has shined upon us this February. What a glorious month we've had. And today, beautiful, the start of the day, just wonderful. And then I came in and I I, I saw this, right? So like Barry said, don't be doing this today, okay? I know this is is new to us and uh, it is nice and I want to say... Just my thanks to our communications department. Jason Bellinger and Heather Visger worked tirelessly on this, so it's, our, it's a new publication for us. And I was thrilled to hear even some who have really, you know, I know we've connected digitally, but to say, hey, it's a newspaper. I was talking to someone very young this morning who was, hey, it's great, it's a newspaper. And I thought, Wow. A, a digitally connected person wants a newspaper? Really? All right, this is, this is great. This is good. Maybe, maybe some information will get out. And, and like Brother Barry said, take the time to read it. There's a lot in here, and we want you to have it. This is your BCC story, and it'll be coming out uh, once a quarter. And I know some of you have missed the heartbeat of Bethesda, so you've got something now to uh, keep up to date in the church. So good things are happening. I was thrilled yesterday. Some great things happening here at the church. Our project in the the hall is, uh, for the most part, done. Just a little cleanup to do, but thank you all who lent a hand. It's really looking great down that hall. It really is. What a a difference to what it was. So yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone. so it's going to be, I think, uh, it's just really an excellent month. It's a great start of the, of the year. We're still at the beginning of the year, and I'm looking forward to what God has in store. And we've been talking a little bit about what God had in store for his people and the fact that uh, many of them really missed it. We've titled this series, Do You See Him? And the Old Testament is just full of predictions to Jesus Christ And yet so many, so many, they didn't see it. They didn't see uh, the king of kings when he arrived here on this earth. When Jesus arrived uh, on the earth, his birth was pointed out by a star. A rising star was the forerunner. It was a harbinger of this appearance of the king of kings, our God on earth, to mankind. And Jesus was born and he put a face on God Jesus became a man. He became a man among, among us, his creation. And in the temple, there, was, there were those who were 
waiting and anticipating, and they did recognize him. One was a man named Simeon. You read about him in Luke chapter 2, and he said, for my eyes have seen your salvation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon recognized this little baby as the Christ child, the Savior. And there were others who had recognized him too. Uh, One of the prophetesses there in the temple, Anna, had recognized him. But so many more, so many were expecting something totally different. They weren't expecting this humble child, but a conqueror king, and they missed him. They missed seeing him, even though he was foretold hundreds of years before his actual birth. And that's how we got started with this series a couple of weeks ago, looking to the Old Testament, Amos chapter 3, verse 7. We spent some time on where it says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So the the prophets, they knew the plan. They were told the plan, or at least some of it by God, and they declared it. And Israel had this word. They had this word from the prophets. And they had others who were teaching. They had others who were preaching and telling them, yeah, this is the word of God and these things are are going to happen. Yet, so many, so many overlooked the coming of Jesus Christ. Well then, you know, he had that 400 years of quiet in the prophets and John the Baptist arrived on the scene and he announced He announced that Jesus was coming. Prepare the way. He was the voice crying from the wilderness. Prepare the way. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We talked about John last week. And John, he made his mark. And as John made his mark, he faded out. And Jesus entered into the picture. And Jesus, as he entered into the the historical scene, John's bold preaching... John's bold preaching resulted in him being imprisoned. He angered the then king of the Jews, Herod, and John was thrown into prison. And at that time, it was when Jesus began his ministry in earnest. And the the gospel writer Matthew tells us an awful lot about this. And Matthew, he's the most prolific of the New Testament writers who looks back to the Old Testament. And he uses the Old Testament to say, hey, this was talked about, and now here it is. He uh, took an account of the prophet Isaiah, Matthew did, and he used it to describe this beginning of Jesus' ministry, this time when even Jesus went out to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I want to read you that passage. It's right after John was put into prison and, and Jesus is really going to step into his ministry. This is Matthew's gospel, chapter four. And I want to read to you verses 12, and 16, 12 to 16. It reads, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So that is in quotes. Matthew is giving us a quotation from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and he presents to us and to his readers Jesus, Jesus as the Messiah. Matthew opened his gospel with a genealogy to show Jesus is the Messiah. He's in the line of David. He's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. And then Matthew quoted Isaiah. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And then in chapter 2 of Matthew's gospel, he begins with a reference of Jesus as king of the Jews, the, the one whose star has risen over Jacob. So Matthew, he's using the book of Micah there. So he's making these references to the Old Testament. His star would rise, he says. And he said this king would come from Bethlehem. But then there was an attempt on this baby king's life. King Herod didn't like him. And he put to death many of the children in the area who were up to two years old. So Matthew reminds us again, using the Old Testament, the, the word from Jeremiah the prophet, that there would be weeping and mourning heard throughout the land as a mother weeps for her children. All these references to the Old Testament. Then chapter 3, John arrives. John is this herald of Jesus. He is this voice saying, prepare the way. And then Matthew again quotes the, uh, the prophet Isaiah who predicted John's voice and he predicted John as well. Matthew here is methodically putting together a picture. He's painting a picture for us, a portrait of the Messiah for all to see. And the person that he's painting is Jesus. Matthew wants us to see Jesus Christ as Messiah, as Savior. And then the passage that I just read in uh, chapter 4, it's about the sixth time here that Matthew, our author, is going back to the Old Testament as if to say, don't you get it? D do you see? Jesus fits all that was written about this coming Messiah. Do you see it? And then Matthew begins to record the ministry of Jesus. And he gives us this quote from Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read to you uh, what Isaiah said. And we've already read how Matthew gave it the quote. And it's a little bit different because it went from Hebrew to Greek but I think it's instructive for us and good that we would read this passage that Matthew actually quoted. So it's Isaiah chapter 9, and it was verses 1 and 2. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan... The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So this is the passage that Matthew decided to quote. This is the Old Testament book of Isaiah, and he picked it up, 
And he is telling his readers, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I want you to know this is Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He went north. He left Nazareth and he went north, further into Galilee. And as Isaiah had written, Jesus went up into these regions, these areas that were called Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, these two regions of uh, northern Israel, which Isaiah called Galilee of the nations. Or Matthew put it this way, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, how did these Gentiles, which were non-Jews, how did they get into this area of Israel? Well, if you go back and read Isaiah, the context of Isaiah, and it's always good to wrap a little bit of context around it when you read a quote like this. It's just a couple of verses. Well, what was Isaiah really going at? What was he saying? Well, Isaiah chapter 8, it closes with, with a judgment message. And it's followed, though, by restoration. It's a great thing about the prophets. They would bring these words of judgment, but then hope. This idea of hope and restoration that would come to the people. Well, the last line of Isaiah chapter 8, it, it, it is this line of judgment. It says, the people will be thrust into utter darkness. And history attests to the fact that the whole kingdom of Israel there, that, that northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians. God's blessing was withdrawn. Zebulun and Naphtali, that were in the, the northernmost part of Israel, they were among the first of these tribes of Israel to be exiled from their land when the Assyrians came in and conquered. They came into the land, they scattered the people, but the method of, it, uh, of Assyria was a little different than some of the other world powers. Babylon, when they came into the south, uh, they exiled the people and they just destroyed the city and they left it barren. They just left a weak people and, and the people that couldn't fend for themselves there and they just left a destroyed city. But the Assyrians, they did things a little bit different. They'd go and scatter the people, but then they'd come into the land and they would occupy and they would colonize so they didn't just displace the people, they took over the land. And how did they come? They came by the way of the sea. And that's exactly what Isaiah had, had said. The non-Jews, these people of the nations, or, or the Gentiles, they came into this area of Zebulon, this, these other regions in the north, Zebulon, Naphtali, they came by the way of the sea. And what was that? Well, there was a road from Damascus that went all the way through northern Israel to the Mediterranean. And the Romans actually called that the Via Maris. And it means the way of the sea. So they, they took this roadway that became known as the way of the sea and they came into the northern area and they conquered it. And again, history tells us the Assyrians did this. They came in uh, through that way and they brought with them then as they occupied and they colonized, they brought with them their gods and their religion, all sorts of man-made imaginative gods with names like Sukoth, Benoth, and Nurgle, and uh, Ashima, and Nibhaz, and Tartak. And, and they burned their children. They sacrificed children to gods called uh, Adramelech, 
and Anamelech. And you can read all about this. I'm not making it up. But if you want to make a note, just go read in 2 Kings chapter 17. You read all these details about these gods and what was brought in by these Assyrians. And these are details that show that the Jews in Israel, they were thrust into utter darkness. They were thrust into utter darkness by these Assyrian conquerors who brought in these false gods and, and the true God became forgotten about and ignored. But the word of God, the word of God that came uh, through Isaiah, it, it did not leave these people there in utter darkness. You know, chapter 8 closes depressing. It's a depressing note. Oh, you're going to be in utter darkness. But restoration was promised. Isaiah wrote those opening lines of chapter 9, the very next lines, on those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So light was coming. And Matthew in the New Testament, he tells us Jesus went into these northern territories of Israel. He went into Capernaum, into this region of Naphtali, where there still were many Gentiles living since the occupation of the Assyrians. There, there were still groups of them there. And Matthew says this was to fulfill what was said about the prophet Isaiah, fulfill. I mean, he's saying Jesus is the one that was talked about. He fulfilled it. Matthew's gospel's just starting. We're, we're just in the fourth chapter of, of 28 chapters. And he's not even started to write about the ministry of Jesus. And already over half a dozen times, he's gone back to the Old Testament. And, and this is the fifth time that he's written to fulfill to fulfill what was said by the prophet. And that trend continues throughout Matthew's gospel. You read it often. You read words like, this occurred to fulfill, or Jesus did this to fulfill, or so it was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets. Time after time. And Matthew's got a point he's trying to make because so many missed it. You didn't see it. You were in the dark. And the way Matthew put it, the people were not just in the dark. They were not just in utter darkness. Matthew writes, they were in the shadow of death. Now his subtlety is not lost here. Darkness, utter darkness, it's a death sentence. You know, without a way out of the darkness, darkness leads to one place, death. But then Matthew brilliantly points out that at the onset of Jesus' ministry, it was a, a kind of a dawn. It was a light, a light dawning. He says a light has dawned. And when we hear this, when, when you hear dawn, doesn't your mind instantly picture a sunrise? When you hear dawn, it just goes right there, the dawn of a day, when the first rays of the sun begin to chase away darkness. Dawn, it's that first appearance of daylight. And some call it the crack of dawn. You know, I remember my dad saying, hey, we're going to get up at the crack of dawn. Why is it the crack of dawn? Well, because that light fractures the darkness. It breaks the darkness. It, it, it pierces through that curtain of black. And you know, day has arrived. 
Like this morning, what a beautiful day. And the day has arrived. You want to rejoice and say, this is the day the Lord has made. And we know that, that the dawn is the start. And there's so much more to come. You know, the sun just doesn't hang out there on the horizon all day, right? There's more to come. It rises up and it gets glorious and you get warm and it, it burns off the fog. And, and the day just becomes better and better. And Jesus, Jesus, Matthew's trying to tell us, he is that light that dawned. He wants his reader to see that. And there's no doubt, he's hoping that many of his readers will be Jewish. Matthew is overtly Jewish in his gospel. And he is certainly desiring to evangelize his people. He wants to evangelize the Jews. And that's what makes this reference to Isaiah chapter uh, 9, verses 1 and 2, it makes it very curious. Because Matthew could have just went a few lines forward. He could have offered hope from the book of Isaiah. He could have offered, hey, you're going to come out of the uh, darkness. And he could have just went a few lines forward to verse 6. And he could have quoted, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He could have just went up a few verses, Isaiah 9, 6. But he didn't. Instead of quoting that, he started at the beginning of that chapter. And he chose something different. Something that mentioned not just Jews. Something that mentioned the nations, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Not unlike John's gospel. In, in the early chapters of John's gospel, we, we read a record of Jesus and a Samaritan woman, a Gentile woman that was converted you know, early in the ministry of Jesus, converting non-Jews. Matthew gives us a picture of Jesus very much the same. He's not just a savior for one people. He is the savior for all. Darkness just didn't cover the Jews all were in darkness. All were in this utter darkness. And although Matthew seems to be writing to Jews in particular, he makes a concerted effort to show this universality of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is open to every single person. Matthew will go on record that Jesus went even further north into this territory. He went to, to the city of Tyre and Sidon, the land of the Phoenicians, which were the enemies of the Jews. You can read about this in the later chapters of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus came to a Canaanite woman and she said, my daughter is, is possessed by a devil, a demon, and she needs healing. And at first it seems as if Jesus isn't going to do the healing. And he makes a reference to, well, you know, I'm not here for the Gentiles. But she said, oh, yes, you are. She said, even the dogs pick up the crumbs that are left off the master's table. And you know, it's the one time in, in the Gospels where Jesus, he doesn't argue back. He says, your faith, that's great faith. And your daughter's healed. Jesus going to a Samaritan woman, a Canaanite woman, Jesus in, in Galilee of the Gentiles. The gospel is universal. It's open to all. 
Matthew doesn't want his readers to miss this Jesus. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, he's saying the light has dawned. And in essence, do you see the light? Do you see him? That is the light. Matthew writes that Jesus at the start of his early ministry was this light dawning, a light that overtakes darkness, revealing the things of God. Jesus was illuminating God. Jesus was giving a clearer picture of God. He said things like, I and the Father are one. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like a light shining in darkness, Jesus revealed more and more about God because Jesus is this light. When the Apostle John described Jesus, he said he's the light of the world. Now, think about this. Think about light for a minute. And I'm going to get a little uh, scientific. But this won't be a, a, an over-the-head science lesson, I promise. Think about light, visible light. The light that we can see with our eyes. The light that has been revealed to us. You know, it exists in what's called uh, the electromagnetic spectrum. Visible light is an electromagnetic wave form. Now, light from the sun, it's an electromagnetic wave. It comes to us via electromagnetic radiation. It doesn't need any kind of mechanical medium. It radiates. Light from a fire, that's an electromagnetic wave form. Light from a flashlight, that's an electromagnetic wave form. We can see it. Visible light is part of this, this electromagnetic spectrum, which includes all kinds of of other types of electromagnetic waves. But we can't see them all. We've only been granted the opportunity to see some of the spectrum. And the spectrum is enormous. How much of the spectrum can we see? I want to give you a little illustration of how much of this electromagnetic wave form or spectrum we can see. So I, I, I want to put out the, uh, this, is, this, this will represent the electromagnetic spectrum. All right, now these are the short waves over here. The, the smallest of the electromagnetic waveforms. They're over, they're over here. Very, very small. And then we're going to get to some visible light, longer waveforms. And And we're going to get to the biggest of the electromagnetic waves. And they're over here to my right. So, so this, this is, this is a, a representation of just how big the spectrum is. I want you to think, how much of this, how much of this do we see? How much do you think we see? Is it 50%? Maybe it's more. Maybe we see 80%. Maybe visible light is 80% of this spectrum. Maybe it's less. Could it be 20, 25%? Oh, I'll fix it. It's sticky. The, the, way, the, the, uh, the electromagnetic uh, spectrum won't break like this. 
It won't. I'm serious. But I'm going to get it out here for you because I want you to see it and I want you to visualize just how big it could be. And this isn't to scale. It's much bigger. Okay, there it is. There it is. Now, how much can we see? Is it from here to here? Is it 20, 30, 10? I want to show you how much we can see. How much of this is available to us? Because I, th- I think it's, it's, it's interesting. Here's how much we can see. And even this is probably an exaggeration. It's a little bit, uh, it's probably about twice or three times the scale. All right. Of this huge spectrum that would represent the whole spectrum of electromagnetic waveforms. Visible light is about this much. 0035% about that much but in all practicality the waves get bigger and bigger and bigger it's basically infinite theoretically it's infinite and we get this little portion of it just a fraction just a fraction of a percent and yet can't we take in all kinds of wonderful things We can take in all kinds of great things because of this little bitty bit of the spectrum that we're allowed to actually see. And I say, so it is with God. You know, he has allowed us to see a portion of him, but it's not all of him. And I really think it's a really small part of him. There is so much more to our infinite God that, that is out there, that is, uh, 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 that is him. You know, his word says, for as high as the, the heavens are from the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. How huge is that God? How big is that God? How much of him do we actually know? How much has been revealed to us? How much more could we get revealed to us. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 40, and it's uh, verse number 8, or 28. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. His understanding is infinite we get to see a little bit of it. We get to see a little piece of God Almighty. When Moses asked to see God, God said, no, you can't see all of me. Moses was was granted this, this great privilege to see just a bit of God. God's glory, a little bit of God's glory was revealed to Moses, and Moses' face shone like the sun. What's the point? We only get this glimpse of God. God is light. 
God has laid, he's like this, this huge, enormous, infinite spectrum. And we get a glimpse. We get a portion through Jesus Christ. But what a glimpse it is. What a sight to behold that God has privileged us to see through Jesus, to see of him. You know, Matthew said it's just like this light dawning. But the people, they didn't see it. But we do. We see him now. We see Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Savior, Redeemer, Healer, Deliverer. And he's our friend. And Jesus is Lord and King. And he's Prince of Peace. And he's Comforter. And he's glorious. And Jesus is holy. And he's the way. And he's the truth. And he is the resurrection. And he's the life. And isn't he so, so much more? We've been granted to see this. We've been granted to see this of God. And, and it's been revealed to us, but it's still just a little glimpse. It's still just a little piece. The Apostle Paul wrote about what we see in 1 Corinthians 13, and I love the way that the Living Bible puts it, and I want to share that with you. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he says, in the same way, we can see and understand only a little about God now. I mean, let that sink in. We can only see a little bit of God now, but we it's so glorious. It's so wonderful. It's so great. But Paul says we just see a little bit of him now as if we're peering at his reflection in a poor mirror. But someday we're going to see him in his completeness, face to face. Now all that I know is hazy and blurred, but then I will see everything clearly, just as clearly as God sees into my heart right now. I mean, the light of Christ can seem so brilliant. It's hard to imagine we're only seeing just a little piece of God, just a little piece that's been revealed. There's so, so much more. It's like the old hymn, How Great Thou Art. There's a line in there that says, I scarce can take it in. I scarce can take it in what I know, what God has shown me. It's like this little teeny bit of the electromagnetic spectrum. It allows us to see so much, and yet what remains for all practical purposes, is infinite. And that's the way it is with God, but we've got something to look forward to, to see him in his completeness. Can you imagine taking in the entire spectrum? It can happen. It, it can happen when we see him in his completeness and face to face. So we must endeavor to see what has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ so that we can see him in eternity. And that should motivate us. That should motivate us to stay the course with Jesus Christ. And it should motivate us to share this light with others so they too can see him in his completeness one day. Share what we can see now so everyone can see him in his completeness. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the human mind the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, there's so much more. There's so much more than we have with Jesus right now. And that's a great thing. And it should it just, just keep us going. And, and there is more to it than just what we see. There's more to the, just this glimpse of the light. There's more to light than what it reveals. Because behind the light, behind the light, there's power. Light is produced. I mean, you've probably heard somebody complain, my light bill was just so, so high this month. Oh, that light bill's killing me. What are they talking about? 
They're talking about their electric utility bill. It's skyrocketed. It's too high. Ah, the light bill. Have you ever heard anybody complain about their dark bill? Oh, the dark bill's really getting me. Oh, man, to get the darkness. Woo, wow. Yeah, my wallet's hurting. No, nobody complains about the dark bill. Why? It's free. (laughs) You don't have to do anything. You don't have to produce it. And no energy required. You know, you, you, you need batteries for your flashlight, right? So that if you're caught in the dark, you can find your way. I mean, have you ever heard anybody whip out their flash dark? Hey, it's too bright in here. I need my flash dark. No, you don't need a flash dark. You can, you can get darkness for free. No, no power required. Darkness doesn't need power, but light does. Visible light, visible light in its simplest terms, it's a release of energy in the form of this, these, these packets of electromagnetic radiation, and, and it's perceived by the human eye. We see it. It's this release of energy. If light comes from the sun, if light comes from a, a bonfire, if light comes from a fat flashlight, there's power behind it. It's a release of energy. And we see it as light. Now think about Jesus as the light. Oh, there's power behind it. There's power behind that light. And I want you to hear that this morning. There's power behind this light of Jesus Christ. Matthew calls him the light that's dawning. There's great power behind that light. There's power behind Jesus. Power to not just subdue darkness, but Matthew said that uh, Jesus was this great light that dawned on those living in the shadow of death. I mean, the power behind Jesus Christ is the power to subdue death, the power to overtake death, the power to conquer death. He shatters that darkness. The power of Jesus is to save souls, save souls from the valley of shadow of death, to give souls life. I mean, Jesus' power, this is the power that created the universe. We saw this video at the open of the service and it said uh, that there was power in him who formed us out of the dust. That's power. And then there's power that gave us the breath of life. The breath of life to mankind came from the power behind that light. It's the power that can heal. It's the power that can deliver. It's the power that can rescue. It's the power that can renew. It's the power that's available universally to everyone, all who would come to Jesus Christ with a sincere and a contrite heart. Eh, he doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Jew, if you're Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're, you're a Phoenician woman living in, in Tyre or Sidon. It doesn't matter if you're in Galilee of the Gentiles. It doesn't matter if you're in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your mother is. It doesn't matter who your father is. Jesus is available to you. And his light and his power is available to you. And you can access the power behind this light that's Jesus Christ. And if you feel today that you are under a cloud of darkness, if you feel you've lost your way or, or maybe, uh, you, you know, you, you're stuck and this cloud is over you, I want to tell you the darkness has got no power. It's got no power. It's a perceived power. And the only power the darkness has is the darkness that you allow it to have. You know, the Bible talks about the power of darkness, but every single time the power of darkness is overcome by the power of light because the power of darkness is no p- 
power at all. It's phony power. It's power that you allow that darkness to have because you have access to the light. All you need to do is take hold of the light. You can shatter the darkness by the power of the light of Jesus Christ. And you have access to that, and his power defeats any darkness. I mean, there's nothing that you're dealing with. There is nothing that you're dealing with, no matter how heavy it seems, no matter how dark it seems, that the power of Jesus Christ cannot overcome it. I mean, are you wrestling with something today? Are you wrestling with something that you feel is just a, it's a darkness, a physical issue? Maybe, maybe got a relational strain. You know, maybe uh, there's uh, something that you're, you're dealing with, with, with another person. Or maybe there's a temptation that's gnawing at you. And you're saying, gosh, I, th- I thought I'd put that behind me. And that temptation keeps coming. Or maybe really it's a, it's a sin. Maybe there is a besetting sin in your life that you just keep repeating and, oh, you're beating yourself up about it and you're guilty and why do I keep doing this and, and I can't seem to shake it. Or perhaps you've never even experienced the power of Jesus, the light of Jesus. And these, these issues, they are all issues of darkness. See the solution. See the light. See Jesus as the light. See Jesus as the power, the power that defeats any and all darkness every single time, every time. And if you're dealing with something like that uh, this morning, I just want to invite you to lay it down. You know, come to Jesus. You come, to, come, come to these altars and talk to them. And we, get, we have people here who would help you and they will assist you. We have people that will come to these altars and pray with you if you need to say, yeah, there's, I, f- I feel this dark over me, right? I'm clouded up. There's a fog. You can get rid of it today. I just want to invite any, any of anybody. If you're dealing physical, it's a physical thing. It's a darkness. Come, let, let Jesus help you. He is the light of the world.